0: This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome to episode nine. Today, we're talking about working with our children's healthcare providers, how to know if you and your child are in good hands, and what to do if you're not. I'll share 10 qualities to look for in all your child's healthcare providers. And for medical professionals listening, at the end of the show, I'll share a book I love written for medical doctors, but I believe can be used by all healthcare professionals to improve patient care using mindfulness. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that sometimes advocating for ourselves and our child with any trained professional can be intimidating, and to admit this in itself can cause shame. If you're currently being called by circumstance to do this, to advocate, make sure your voice is heard in your child's healthcare, I encourage you to reach for your skills of acceptance and self-compassion. Being especially present with what we need to nourish ourselves can help sustain us through a process like this. And being mindful of who and what we need to be connected to can help us uncover much needed supports so that if this is currently a stressor for your family, you can use it to transform your parenting for the positive. I created this episode in hopes that going over this topic makes it present for you and me right now. It will help us with the courage it takes to carry being an advocate for our child out. I have met with so many parents who've said, I can do that, Kirsten. I, I can do that intervention you just suggested, but can you give me the words? I know what they mean here. The jumping off point, a few phrases or ideas to hold on to and repeat in the midst of a tough situation. I'm sharing a few words with you today in hopes they empower you, remind you that as a parent, you have the right to get to the bottom of all your child's health issues and have your feedback and concerns be weighted heavily. So first, the most important thing is to ask a lot of questions. Let's be really clear. Your child's doctor is likely overworked and sometimes distracted. Bring your list of questions. Make sure they get answered, and if something sounds off or you aren't understanding their treatment method, slow the whole thing down and ask more questions. Here are some words. Can we check in about that diagnosis again? I want to make sure I'm clear on what you have in the chart. I read that this approach can have a negative impact on height or weight or behavior, etc., Can you help me understand why you've chosen this treatment? Getting nine hours of sleep each night is not really a goal for our family right now. Can you help me understand why you added it to the treatment plan? What are the side effects of that medication? And help me understand why we're trying it. I appreciate it when parents do this. They bring insight to the situation that I just don't have access to, especially when first meeting a child. I'm human. I make mistakes. Sometimes I don't make myself clear. A parent's questions give me the opportunity to explain exactly what I'm doing and why. This is clarifying for me and hopefully for them. It helps build trust in our working relationship. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if your provider appreciates this or not. It's your child's health, and it's your right to ask a zillion questions. I encourage you to ask all the questions you want until you understand. I also encourage you to fill up on your self-care so that when these questions do come out, they sound calm and respectful. That's always a good starting point for any relationship, and as your child may be in the room with you, it's an opportunity to model your values. So my next tip is let your provider know if you do have a concern. Have you ever left somewhere just fuming and then you went home to tell someone you love all about it? I'm so mad or I'm really concerned about this. And they ask, did you tell them? This is a very logical question. It's also a sure way to catch the death stare. But since I'm not sitting across the table from you, space and time and geography protect me from your death stare. So I'll ask, did you tell them? Did you clearly express your concerns? Did you say, can we slow it down? This approach makes me uncomfortable. I need to get more information from you before I will agree to proceed. Most care providers will stop in their tracks then and there, horrified that you've been made uncomfortable. But what if they brush you off? Start documenting your communication attempts. Many health organizations have patient advocates that can help you navigate the situation and support dialogue between you and the provider and help you figure out the next course of action. You may also need to reach out to the hospital or licensing board, and you may at this point decide you'll find another provider. Getting help from your insurance company to do that is also useful. Let's try to minimize the chances that you're connected with a provider that isn't listening to you and isn't on the same page with you. I'm going to share with you 10 tips for finding a quality healthcare provider for your child. And these suggestions are based on multiple studies done by the American Psychological Association, examining what therapist qualities make for the most effective treatment outcomes. And what I mean by treatment outcome is that you reached your goals with the provider. They were able to solve your child's problem or greatly improve the situation and your child's quality of life. I think this list can be applied to all service providers for your children, from pediatricians to pediatric dentists, not just mental health professionals. And we all deserve to be cared for by ethical, skilled professionals that communicate well with us. So consider requiring these qualities, not only for those who care for your child, but those who care for you as well. Quality one, my first quality. And actually, as I'm saying this, I feel like I'm standing in front of the fireplace right now in, in the movie Mary Poppins with my list for excellent nanny qualities. And this reminds me that these work for your child's um, childcare providers too daycare, nanny. Um, you know, these qualities would be useful for anybody who has some sort of caring role for your child. Okay, I'll get back to my list and I promise I won't sing. One, they have good interpersonal skills. When you speak with the professional, are they warm? Are they focused on what you're telling them? Are they empathetic? These qualities will help you and your child feel comfortable enough to share all the important information about what's going on. Two, they create a working alliance with you. Do they understand your goals for treatment? Are they on the same page with the outcome you desire? Do you feel comfortable with their proposed route for achieving this? Listen to your gut. If after a few appointments, you do not feel this alliance, reach out to another professional to gain some perspective. Three, they can explain what's going on with your child in a way you understand. As a parent or a patient, you should fully understand the assessment and treatment process. What is the diagnosis? How will the professional relieve the symptoms of concern? The professional should welcome your questions and feedback concerning progress. Feeling comfortable communicating with them is key. Four, they give you enough hope that you feel invested in the treatment plan. You may be seeking support in a moment of crisis for your family, and it can feel extremely vulnerable. Does the professional help you see the potential for growth? Do they help you feel confident about the challenges you will overcome? If the professional makes you feel hopeful, this will create a ripple effect for your child that will greatly benefit the treatment outcome. Five, they stay deeply engaged throughout the process. There are ups and downs in therapy, with our child's behavior at daycare, and with a developing mind and body, as in any process. But the alliance with your professional is a tool to help you understand why. Any difference of ups and downs may be happening. Is your provider invested in your child's progress every time you see them, or does it feel inconsistent? Do they show care and concern for your child's well being and progress? Six, they're willing to be wrong and they will refer out. If it means getting to the bottom of your child's issues, a well-trained and ethical professional will acknowledge when their idea or suggestion was wrong and when other professional support is needed. Seven, they ask hard questions. Are they curious and engaged in understanding everything about your child's issues? A well-trained professional has practiced on asking tough questions and examining uncomfortable material necessary to create an accurate treatment plan and diagnosis. Eight, they make recommendations that your family can follow through on it's crucial that the provider understands your family's strengths and resources so that you can follow through on actions that will support your child. For example, if you've explained that you're short on money, but have a lot of time in the afternoons to spend with your child, a therapist could suggest low to no cost activities that you can do daily with your child. Or in the doctor's office. Do they have a caring team that helps you navigate how much your insurance will cover for a follow-up treatment or testing recommendation? Nine, they do not use your time for themselves. Now, this one can be a little specific to mental health professionals, but in general, I think it's good for a professional to hold boundaries and not leak their personal issues onto you. So this is a, a big one for me, and at first... I think it can be a really big draw for people if a professional shares a lot about themselves, their own family, their daily life, and their values. It can be immediately comforting to some, especially when they perceive the professional to be similar to themselves or even hold some ideal characteristics. But a good professional should be able to connect with you and your child without taking up all this space. And let me give you a quick example of where this can become problematic. So, you know that your pediatrician really values breastfeeding beyond just research, um, he or she shared this with you, you guys bonded over this and, and you really like this about them. They feel strongly about it and you feel strongly about it. But once your baby's born, you're actually having a great deal of difficulty with breastfeeding and you would like to get support and help, but now maybe you're embarrassed Um because you feel like you might be judged or who knows, but it's causing a barrier to you getting help and support you need to move forward with your health goals for your child. So that's an example. There's many more, but that's why keeping it professional, keeping those boundaries up and making it about you and not the professional's values are really, really important. 10. They know their research and they love to learn. Health and wellness fields are constantly evolving. So it's of utmost importance that we as health professionals stay up to date on the best evidence-based treatments for the clients we serve. It's our ethical duty to refer a client to someone who's more up to date on or specialized in your child's issues if we are not. Okay, so that is my list of qualities to look for in healthcare providers for your family. And now... The book that I want to recommend for healthcare providers is Attending Medicine, Mindfulness, and Humanity by Ronald Epstein, MD. Have you guys read this? I'm reading it right now and I'm really enjoying it. He shares how to use mindfulness skills to better serve our patients. We talked about how busy physicians can be in this episode, and so using the mindfulness skill of focused attention can help to slow down the treatment process and help doctors attend to an individual patient without being on autopilot. That's where mistakes can be made. And without taking this approach to fully see your patient, it's hard to forge a working alliance, and that's foundational for trust and communication, which will make treatment progress quicker and more accurately. Working on the practice of curiosity helps a doctor to ask more questions. Again, not just run through a questionnaire on autopilot, but connect symptoms with the individual in front of them. It also helps the doctor to let go of their ego and see the patient as an expert on his or herself. Here, a better relationship flourishes. Doctors get more accurate information, and the patient is empowered. So if you do any assessment or patient care in the healthcare setting, I highly recommend you check this book out yourself and even bring it in to share with colleagues for supervision or training. I've linked the book attending along with other resources to our show notes. You can find them by going to wideawakeparenting.com, clicking on show notes and selecting episode nine. Next week, we're going to talk about the role meditation plays in mindfulness practice is it necessary? We're going to explore that. All right, that's our show. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, be gentle with yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.